Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to the show today. Happy Monday to all of you. My guest today is author Robert Hoyman, and he is the author of his first children's book called Limerick Comics. Welcome to the show, Robert. Thank you so much, Marsha. It's a pleasure to be with you. Truly, the pleasure is mine because it wouldn't be a show without guests, and, and each week my guests bring their own special passions uh, to life, and and this is no different, and I, I'm just delighted that you're going to be able to join me and spend this hour with me. Before we get into your professional career as a teacher and now as an author, I thought you could just tell our audience just a little bit about yourself, where, where, do you, where you live, and just a little bit about your background, if you wouldn't mind. Yes, uh, I live on the east coast of Florida just south of Kennedy Space Center uh, with my wife, Robin, and my little dog, uh, my Chinese pug, Gus. And uh, it's been retired for about five years, and that's when I decided I wanted to sit down and write this book. And uh, I'm fully retired and dedicated my last couple of years to producing Limerick Comics. Terrific. Well, this is this is very exciting. And I heard you say Chinese pug. Is that different than a regular pug pug? No, I, I think oh. that uh, we, we just refer to them as pugs, but they're Chinese pugs, and they were bred to uh, be lap dogs for Chinese royalty. And they are very, very content sitting in your lap, and yep. they're very affectionate, and they make wonderful yep. pets, particularly with children. I have a grand puggy, so I know what you're talking about. And, yes, he does like to sit in the lap. And that's just a little side note because they are really wonderful dogs. So, but this show isn't about pugs. So this show is really about your your writing experience and just you in general and, and, and what you're all about, Alfie. I, I love the name of your book, Limerick Comics. And for those of us, that need a little bit of education, who better than, a, than, a, than an instructor for 41 years? I think the greatest place for us to start whenever, whenever I start a show is a, making the presumption that we don't all know what we, what we don't know, right? You don't know unless you ask. So I would like if we could just start off, frankly, with the definition of what a limerick is. Could you just describe that for us, please? Yes, absolutely. Uh, a limerick is a form of verse, uh, often humorous, with a strict rhyme structure of A-A-B-B-A, and it's five lines of anapestic meter. And uh, the first, second, and fifth lines all rhyme, and then the third and fourth uh, lines are shorter, and they share a different uh, rhyme. And uh, so... The uh, anapest is basically a rhythm structure. It's a, it's a three-syllable metrical pattern 
in poetry in where you have uh, two unstressed syllables followed by a stressed syllable. And a good, uh, very simple example of that is simply the word understand. Understand, you have the two early syllables in that word that are unstressed followed by the accent at the end. And uh, it is really uh, lends itself to kind of an entertaining, a, a jaunty, spirited cadence. And you find it in uh, a great many types of literature. And uh, a good example um, would be to uh, demonstrate uh, an example of a limerick. Uh, the person that inspired me to get involved in this is uh, British author, poet, and illustrator Edward Lear. And it was his book of nonsense that I had uh, read with my two young sons at home, and I brought that book to school and shared it with my students, and they just fell in love with it. So one of the um, one of the simple examples of a limerick, I'll just read here if you'd like. Sure. Example by, I'll read one example by Edward Lear, and I'm going to read it rather slowly so you can really hear the uh, anapest and take note of the uh, the rhythm and the meter. And then I'm going to read one of the poems from my book about uh, a topic that I found very fascinating, and it's about bats. And as I, uh, I will tell you later about the you know, subject matter in my book. Okay. Um, I, try, I tried to use topics, meaningful topics of history and science. Anyway, let me get to Edward Lear's sure. sample uh, limerick. There was an old man with a beard who said, it is just as I feared to owls and a hen for larks and a wren have all built their nests in my beard. <laughs> oh, gosh. Read it one more time. I want to I want to take it in. Okay. Again, uh, listen for the anapest rhythm where you have uh, two uh two syllables, and then they're followed up by an accented syllable in the third position. There was an old man with a beard who said it was just as I feared. Two owls and a hen, four larks and a wren, have all built their nests in my beard. Mm-hmm. All right. So you used another word, instructor, teacher, that, if I don't know this definition, I'm, I'm going to make a presumption that others do not as well. I don't know what anapest means. Okay. Uh, anapest is uh, just simply a, uh, a three-syllable um, metric pattern. It's a pattern of rhythm or meter. And it's simply two unstressed syllables followed by a third understand okay well i i think that there's a lot to understand about you and what you do and what you teach and um i'm i'm anxious to explore all of that with you and i i think probably um you mentioned um um edward lear but what drew you to limericks 
and why did you dedicate your first book to them? Well, uh, I was teaching third grade at the time, and it was a period in the early 90s where education, uh, uh, whole language is emphasized, and uh, it basically involved the presentation of a variety of different genres and introducing a very literature-rich uh, curriculum to the children. So every day I was modeling reading by doing a variety of read-alouds, endless books of uh, fiction, of course, children's books, and uh, some nonfiction, and occasionally some poetry as well. And um, I I had the book of nonsense uh, at home, and I was really uh, quite surprised at how... Uh, it, how well it was received by my own two young boys. Mm-hmm. They were just so enthusiastic about it. They got such a kick out of it that I brought it in to share it with the children uh, in my class. And so they, they too, enjoyed it immensely. And they would each day I'd read a couple, and they'd say, well, read more, read more. And so it didn't mm-hmm. take long until I had exhausted the entire book, ran out of limericks, and then they said, well, we could have more. I said, well, I don't have any more. They said, well, you got to get some. So I went to the school library, I went to the public library, and I went to bookstores in the community, and I was unable to find a book that featured uh, children's limericks. And I was quite surprised by that. And uh, so the only solution uh, was to begin writing our own because I was eager to advance their enthusiasm for learning and particularly their uh, interest in this genre. So we wrote our own, the children and I, and uh, I, they had a wonderful time coming up with, uh, you know, silly, nonsensical little stories and rhyme and had a great deal of fun illustrating the pictures that accompanied them. And I wrote some myself, and the ones that I was attracted to were writing limericks that um, emphasized uh, meaningful topics in science and social studies that we encountered along the way. And uh, so I threw a whole bunch of them in a box and kept them, and both the ones I'd written also the students, because um, the, the curriculum had narrowed and my role had changed, and instead of you know doing a lot of variety of things, like this, um, I was teaching fourth grade and I was uh, teaching uh, children, preparing them for state-mandated writing tests. So uh, even though my role had changed, I always broke out the box of limericks at some point in the school year and read those, and the response was always the same among children. They were always really uh, excited about them. They were, you get the most quizzical looks, they enjoyed the illustrations that accompanied them, and, and uh, I, I pledged that when I retired, I would uh, try really hard to sit down and put forth a book of limericks because I felt like the genre was uh, underrepresented. So I, once I did retire, I polished up a couple of my old ones. I wrote a number of new ones, and the end result is limerick comics. I love that. I'm trying to. I was one of those parents that was always in the classroom um, from elementary school to not in the classroom in high school, but I was that PTA involved parent author school. And I'm visualizing 
my kids third and fourth grade teachers and and I think it's really just as a side note, I think it's really cool that men are in elementary school. You don't see as many men in elementary school as I think would be great. And I'm thinking about my own daughter, who is very theatrical, and I can just imagine her standing up and reading it with the cadence that you've just described and and the joy, I would imagine, in, in, in making this happen that – I don't know. I don't remember my children ever being exposed to this form of writing that I can recall. I mean, we're talking a very long time ago, but I think it's terrific that that, that here we are. We're talking about in the early 90s, and fast forward, you know, some you know 20 years later, and it still stayed yeah. with you. It still resonated with you. Yes, it certainly did. Yeah, I and, uh, I, I like that. And, and I and I would just I would let people know as you're listening if you just want to just zoom on over that's another word we use a lot today isn't it um, to Limerick Comics and I'm going to spell Limerick in case you wonder if it's well spelled with an I or a Y Limerick is L I M E R I C K Comics with an S dot com and you will see um, Robert's uh, homepage and you will also see this fabulous cover of his book and we're going to be talking more um, about that as well but with with today's classroom situations with so many you know I don't there's very few schools districts that I'm aware of where children are actually coming into classrooms and having direct contact with their classmates and their teachers you know very often the parents and grandparents and maybe older siblings are part of the teaching strategy now for for young people and uh as a former classroom teacher and now an author how do you uh, envision parents and and classroom teachers and librarians using this book what what's your what what, what do you vision here well i know that uh, particularly parents uh, of uh, preschool and primary age kids always love to read and you know model reading and, and teach language by reading together with their children. And it's also something that uh, middle grade parents are deeply interested in as well. And so uh, I was hoping that you know this book would be well suited uh, for parents after work to sit down and read with their kids because it's a blend of uh, limerick poetry and and nonfiction as well. the The format of the book is 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 in a comics format and has illustrated panel for all five lines of the limerick, and then a sixth panel is included to of uh, nonfiction, and it, it provides a springboard for discussions between teachers and students or parents and their children mm-hmm. and uh, after you uh, after you read the limerick you know uh, subject matter changes on each page and then each page introduces a new topic so mm-hmm. uh, they can read together and uh, you know, kids always want to share their prior knowledge whether it be in the classroom or with their parents and so you know each of the topics um are available there so that you know kids and parents can have a starting point for discussion. 
Yeah, and you know what I'm also manage, imagining, because I, I'm, I'm sad to say I don't have this book right in front of me at this moment, but I would guess that very often kids actually memorize these limericks, don't they? They remember them, and then that triggers another whole subject, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And uh, just an example, I was going to go ahead and read uh, a limerick that's in the book that has to do with bats and uh, talk about how the introduction of the subject matter can follow up with some very uh, interesting and informative topics. So this one's called uh, The Bat in the Belfry. And if you'll listen closely, it, it very closely mirrors the, uh, the pattern that I just read of the Norman Lear. I mean, on the, the Edward Lear limerick about the man, the old man with the beard. It's called a bat in the belfry. A bat in the belfry named Joe quite often knew not where to go. Although he was blind, he listened to find the pulsating echo below. And blind is a bad is a common idiom, so teachers can use this opportunity to introduce the concept of idioms to teach those, and also youth great science by using this page as well and uh, talk about and introduce the concept of the uh, bats use of echolocation in order to buy to uh, find food. So each page has, you know. A, a fun uh, academic topic that it introduces, and we use a literary device uh, to elicit interest in those concepts. Oh, that's 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 great! I, I love it. Um, you've gotten some really great reviews. When did when did your book get? When was it? When was it released? I, I don't know that I have that information. When did that come out? Yeah, the book was released. On uh, March the second, twenty nineteen, which is uh, Read Across America Day, it's the day uh, that Dr. Seuss's birthday is celebrated. So I thought that oh, was a fitting day to yeah. introduce uh, the comics. That yeah. is so. That is that's that that wasn't by that was by design. That was not an accident. And you've gotten some yeah. some really wonderful reviews. In the Kirkus reviews, they they said that it was both amusing and instructive with broad appeal and excellent illustrations. In Book Life um, by Publishers Weekly, it was awarded the book an A, which every student and everyone wants to have. That means it's excellent in my book, in each of the um, production grades. So let's talk um, more about the book because I think the illustrations also – are tremendous. So how did you and illustrator Steve Feldman come up with the idea of doing a book of limericks in a comic format? How did you, who is Steve Feldman to you? How did you get to know him? Well, I became aware of Steve Feldman's work um, online. I saw a a portfolio that he had uh, submitted and I went through uh, and looked at several other portfolios of uh, illustrators and I kept coming back to Steve's work because I felt that his style really did suit what I was trying to achieve 
and I was just really enthralled by, you know, his expertise and his, you know, unique skill. Mm-hmm. Well, it's um, terrific. Yeah, and, you know, Steve really embraced the nature of this pro- project because, you know, he illustrated this for industry. He He's illustrated for uh, a number of children's books. And with uh, some children's books, uh, you know, fiction format, his role is to often do variations on the same character and setting. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the thing that I think that appealed to Steve initially was the fact that with uh, the diversity of topics in Limerick Comics, uh, it would offer him an opportunity to illustrate a wide range of different characters and settings and topics. And uh, that it, it gave him an opportunity to just demonstrate his versatility as an, as an artist. The supremely right. gifted uh, illustrator and uh, artist. And, yeah, it's uh, it's. I'm looking at the cover of it, and um, it, it's so cool. I mean, there's actually a bat up at the very top by what looks like a pencil head, and um, it's 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 very appealing. The, the cover of your book, I, I I really do like that. So um, let's 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 get more into the actual process of working with Steve. Um, are you very specific about what you want for each limerick? Well, I, I have just a, a vague idea in my head about the story and you know what how it might unfold, but. I base. I really wanted to turn the manuscript over to Steve, and I was wise enough to get out of the way. And Mm -hmm. also, I was real, real curious just to see what his interpretation of those stories would be. So I, I pretty much left him alone. I think there was only one limerick or one page that I had really any input into, and um, I would joke with Steve and I told him that, you know, I was going to, you know, bow out and let him, you know, develop his artistic vision for each and every story in Limerick. Again, he's illustrating five different panels, a separate panel to illustrate each individual line of each individual Limerick. And I told Steve that, uh, you know, just do it your way, just have fun with it, and Mm -hmm. uh, recall your days in junior high. When uh, you were you were drawing comics on your notebook instead of paying attention in science class. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. By the time yeah. that you do, so I, you mentioned at the top of the show that you were a third grade and a fourth grade teacher. Did you end up also teaching at junior high or what we call here now middle school? Did you did you move into the upper division grades as well? I, I taught uh, there initially. My first in the first few years of uh, teaching, I did teach uh, special education at the junior high setting for only a few years, but uh, the vast majority of my years were spent teaching regular fourth and fifth grade in the elementary classroom, and that's what I enjoyed the most. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, um, the uh, teachers 
have uh, endless gaps to fill during the academic day. You know, when the when the buses are late or the the lunch lines backed up, the mm-hmm. you know, school photographer is running thirty minutes late, and teachers <laughs> are always having to uh, be flexible and adjust. Sometimes there's not enough time to you know, uh, have an entire 30, 40-minute lesson. And one of the benefits of the structure of this book is that it really lends itself well to just having a mini lesson. You know, you can always pull it out, select a page, and spend 20 to 30 minutes on an individual page, and then move on. And also, uh, again, that brings about its it's a value for parents who wish to read with their uh, middle grade readers. Oftentimes it's reluctant readers who have difficulty beginning and finishing a book. And um, they're bright kids who sometimes just have difficulty sustaining their concentration for an extended period of time. So um, when working parents uh, well-meaning working parents would come to me on parent conference night and say, I really want to work with my child. Could you please recommend a book that we could read together at night? And I would search my shelves and try to select something that would hold their attention or something that they would be able to go to repeatedly. But, you know, life sometimes gets in the way. And uh, parents will come home one night, sit down for 30 minutes and read with uh, read together with their child. And then maybe they are not able to get back to it for three or four, five days. And uh, the trouble that I found in trying to get a novel, uh, get them involved in reading a novel together is that they'd often forget what they had read three or four nights before and be difficult to pick up. But Limer Comics, uh, the subject matter changes with each and every page. It introduces an entirely different story. subject matter, and uh, so I really had hoped that it would be of value to these types of parents who uh, are deeply interested in reading together. You know, what's what's really interesting about what you just said, Robert, is that I'm just thinking back, and my kids are in their middle 40s, I'm just thinking back to those early days. I don't, I absolutely recall reading with my kids in elementary school. We had that that magazine called Scholastic Reader or whatever it was, and we'd order these books, and we'd get books through our library and through our classroom teachers. But to be honest with you, when they reached the um, sixth grade, which was middle school, that's our school switched to middle school while my kids were in elementary school, so our high school starts at grade 10 through 12, um, I don't recall ever sitting down with my kids when they were in middle school and reading with them. Isn't that, I mean, they were sort of independent learners. And I I, I think back to that now and I think, wow, what may be a missed opportunity instead of playing on the Nintendo or what they would have done when they were school when they were done with their schoolwork and they weren't, you know, talking to their friends on the phone or sports or scouts or whatever else they were doing back in those middle school age days. I don't I don't recall reading with my kids in middle school. Do you find that that I'm unusual or do you find that that's 
kind of what your experience did you I don't know per year school teacher so perhaps you did read with your kids in middle school did you I I'm assuming you must have it, it, it depends on what you present them actually uh you know uh, it's a wonderful way to build fluency by any type of read aloud and uh I love to start my academic day before we had to get into you know teaching the test and doing other mandated lessons I love reading uh poems aloud we just, we read a lot of them by Shel Silverstein and the mm-hmm. kids would uh, readily volunteer to read those another one that kids loved and particularly uh you know late elementary and junior age kids they loved reading children's monologues and there again uh, there are very few books i could find at the bookstore and at the libraries that uh offer children's monologues but so many of them are funny, they're humorous, and, and besides the monologues, uh, I I got my hands on a number of one-act plays that the kids loved, mm-hmm. and um, whenever uh, we would read plays in the classroom, or whether we, and I produced 12 fully staged musical plays too, uh, but even if we just did informal one-act plays in the classroom, a lot of the kids who uh, I found reluctant to volunteer to read aloud in you know, regular lessons or kids that lack confidence, um, they their hands would fly up in the air and they would say, me, 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 I, I want to read this part, I want to read that part. And uh, one of the, one of the most, on the first page of my book, Limerick Comics, I uh, have a really comical and entertaining Limerick about a jester, uh, and it was back in medieval times. And you know, a couple of the plays that we read uh, you know, were from medieval plays. I guess uh, King in the Kitchen by Margaret Slattery comes to mind. And, and uh, so a number of the plays that we encountered along the way ended up as subject matter for Limerick comics. And uh, the jester is one of my favorites. That's neat. So you, so I can see that where I, I see the value of this. I, I am sure my daughter particularly, um, my son probably too, because the, you know, what's the, what's the famous book that he wrote, Silverstein? Is I, because I know I have. Is that Good Night Moon? No, that's not Good Night Moon. What did he write? Um, Who's that? Um, the the author you just mentioned, Mel. Um, oh, uh, um, Edward Lear. No, 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 no. Just try that. Mel... Mar- Margaret Slattery. No, Mel Silvers. Uh, oh, oh Silverstein. Yeah, Mel Silverstein. Yeah. yeah. The light at the end of the tunnel. Light at uh, the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's him. I'm trying to think. Where the sidewalk I, I do. ends. Where the sidewalk, Where the sidewalk ends. ends. I, you know, my, you know, it's interesting when when you expose children to the love of reading which it certainly sounds like what you've done, and, and then you've springboarded that into, like you said, we're going to talk about that in a little bit, about um, the drama side of life and, and and performing. I don't think kids forget that. I think if you were to ask 
40 year olds they would probably still tell you what their favorite book was and and perhaps who read it and the fun of it all i i I do think that that you know that that's a really it's a really wonderful thing and i was i appreciated you saying that each page has its own limerick so that your eyes are not distracted it's it's right there what you're looking for and like you said in the panels which is you know another interesting thing i'm i'm looking at a picture right now of um of an octopus and um and i can see that there's one two three four five panels um and that's that's really what you're dis- what you're talking about when you say panels and i think that that makes it that makes it very interesting you've been you've been really well recognized for your uh efforts do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, book life's um review about your book publishers weekly let let's hear more about that bedside reading download yeah yeah as as i said i i had little doubt that the kids would en- enjoy the book i knew that they would from my experience in the classroom and uh among the first reviews that i received for Limerick Comics was from LitPick, which is a, uh, a reviewing group that uh, has student reviewers. And the book was assigned to two student reviewers, and one was nine years of age, I think a little girl in uh, Iowa, and uh, um, I think an 11-year-old boy in North Carolina. And they reviewed the book, and they gave it a five-star rating in uh, LitPick a Choice Book Award. So I was really so uh, pleased and uh, just so happy that you know that it was received so well by them. Now, when it came time for um, you know Kirkus or Book Life by Publishers Weekly, uh, I wasn't too sure how adults might receive the book. You know, I I knew that my audience would, but how adults would receive it, I wasn't sure. But I was, again, uh, really uh, honored that they liked it so much and uh, had such an enthusiastic review of Limerick Comics. And then uh, in the uh, outgrowth of the book Life by Publishers Weekly and also a very enthusiastic review by The Feathered Quill, I was contacted by Bedside Reading, which is a group that... uh, uh, a group that uh, selects curated titles, puts them together, and presents them to their luxury hotel partners across the United States. And uh, I was quite honored and pleased that uh, uh, Limerick Comics is among the eight titles that they presented to their hotel partners as an amenity to enhance the guest experience around the country. And uh, the Ho- Hollywood Weekly has a feature this month in December on the newsstands now that has a uh, shows the collection of the bedside reading titles, and I'm thrilled and honored to be among those. And wow. uh, additionally, mm-hmm. uh, Women's World Magazine, in uh, November, and currently now has a book giveaway and a two-stay, two-night stay at the Jacquard Hotel in Denver. And the winner of that uh, contest in Women's World also gets a bundle of books 
and each of the titles that are, that are offered by Bedside Reading. So just to be included among the distinguished authors and collection of books in Bedside Reading is a, a tremendous honor. I'm, I'm humbled and very grateful. Well, and and not only, I, I mean, it, it's it's tremendous, and it's not like you've published book after book after book. I mean, I, one could only imagine what's down the road for you, but to be acknowledged and recognized this way is is congratulations to you and and to Steve for you know putting together a book that that people feel is an amenity. You know, it, 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 I think that that's tremendous. Um, when you when you think about your writing, I know I'm taking you back there again because I'm just curious about this process that you go through. How long did it take to write just a single limerick? How does get, take us through the process? Where, what sparks the idea? Where does what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Where where do you do you want the science or do you want the history to be understood? So you go back and write the limerick. Take us through your writing process. Well, typically I would be uh, interested in, in trying to present a certain uh, concept or topic. Like I mentioned about the, uh, the octopus, uh-huh. the one about the, the octopus, and, and that, that was uh, that was an opportunity, a clever opportunity to try to just make a point that uh, octopuses have three hearts. And so um, the middle lines in that one, uh, Cupid shot darts that reached all six hearts. It's about an octopus and her and her bow, and between the two of them, they have six hearts. So it's a fun way to teach, you know, a basic concept like that. Uh, I mentioned um, the in the bats teaching mm-hmm. echolocation, or uh, with anglerfish, the concept of bioluminescence. Uh, so basically, many of them started with a, a concept that I wanted to teach and I would do a frame the limerick around the idea or concept. And for me, it takes a good long while. You know, sometimes yeah. you get the first two lines can come rather quickly and then the next three take a, a great deal more time to emerge. And um, the final line is crucial because it serves the purpose of uh, story resolution many times or story clarity. And what I really loved about the writing process, particularly uh, working with limericks, is that um, I found it really challenging to, and I embraced the process of trying to craft a, uh, craft a limerick with a real strict adherence to the anapest meter. Remember, the word choice was limited basically because of the length of the lines and the number of syllables, but also uh, the syllables in the words had to fit according to the anapest meter, you know, where you have two unstressed syllables followed by a third stressed syllable. So when you add up the combination of all those limitations, it can be quite challenging. Mm-hmm. So I ponder limits for days. Uh, sometimes the parts and pieces taking time to come together. And... Uh, I, you know, would you go about your daily business at the grocery store or riding your bike or doing whatever? And I'm continually working these. And in the summer months, I like to swim laps at my community pool and try to stay really active. And there was more than one occasion where I was working a line or two of a certain limerick 
trying to find the right words, right syllables, and and the accents in the right place. And I'd be at the pool, and all of a sudden, the words would come to me. <laughs> you know, and then I'd have to jump on my bike and pedal home frantically and write it down before I forgot it. That's funny. Yeah, yeah that that that's it's interesting how. Um, the creative process comes in sometimes when when we least expect it but i i do think that that i understand a little bit better now as as you're explaining this that you wanted the concept to be first and i would imagine now just like what's just happened with me about the octopus and six hearts that when you come up with the concept and then you work I'm going to say backwards, but I know it's really not backwards. Um, and you and you have the limericks. Kids are going to remember that forever. They're going to go, oh, you know, remember in class, or remember when we read this book, or remember when we did this. And it's it's such a great memory um, to be able to to do that. And with the illustrations, as clever as they are, not only will they maybe remember the scientific side of this. But they're going to be. And remember that. Remember how when I was drawn, you know, maybe, maybe what you spark in in young people, because I mean you've been doing this a long time, is maybe you spark an illustrator along the way, maybe you spark uh, uh, an author or a poet along the way, by just doing what comes so comfortably natural to you. Maybe it's a scientist. You know, you, you teachers. I, I'm convinced that you know parents are certainly critical part in a in a child's development, but what teachers bring to our to our children, which is why it's it's such a challenge today to to deliver that kind of information in a way that we once knew was very common in a classroom, and it's it's unfortunate. But I don't want to concentrate yeah. on what's not working. I'd rather you know concentrate you know on what yeah. is working, right? Yeah, even if you just, uh, you know, bring forth some spark or uh, inspire something in a child, uh, introducing a topic or a notion about some piece of subject matter, you just never know where it's going to lead them. And so I've seen, uh, I've had uh, times in the classroom where I've read some of these limericks and uh, introduce a topic, and the kid will run to the computer and start researching it further, like octopus yeah. is a good example. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to tell you, too, that uh, you mentioned about the artists, the artistry of this. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. some kids who may not uh, enjoy the writing portion as much as the illustrating, because kids love art. And uh, so I have, uh, I worked with a curriculum designer, and I have a, an entire a set of uh, lesson plans for teachers, homeschool parents, and parents available on my website. And I'm so um, deeply concerned about the challenges the teachers face with remote learning right now that um, I have that uh, free downloadable PDF on my website. And it's a complete set of lesson plans in grades three through five uh, aligned with state standards and there's a complete set for every page and every topic in the book. And I really hope the teachers will go and uh, take advantage of that and use these lesson plans to augment the book but to inspire their kids. 
And I went ahead and uh, put a sample page of the lesson plans alongside the limerick about the bats in the belfry. And I, I uh, put it on my Twitter uh, a while oh, ago. Oh, great. Just to show how the uh, the limerick the uh, in the limerick and in the, in the uh, sixth panel, which has the accompanying information, can be used to teach children, and uh, I hope I hope they'll take advantage of that because it will augment the use of the book. I would agree, and I'm so glad you said that. I'm looking at your purchase page right now where people can add this to the cart, um, which I I would just say to those of you listening, if you listened to my show last week and if you know that I often have authors on my show, I'm just going to say this because Robert's not. Um, If you do add it to the cart from his website, um, that works better for him. So if you would like to support um, an author, this is a great place to do it. And the fact that you offer this free download with that hardcover purchase I think is sensational. I'm going to make sure that my teacher friends know about this. You did mention Twitter, and for people that are on Twitter, can you tell me what your Twitter um, handle is? Yeah. yeah, check out that sample page in the, in the sample lesson plan at, at Hoyman, H-O-Y-M-A-N underscore Robert. Perfect. I'll make sure I include that, Robert, um, in my in my follow-up blog about that. Yeah, I hope your uh, listening audience, too, if they're interested, next time they're at their local community library, request Limerick Comics at your local library. That'll be helpful. I love the fact that uh, Limerick Comics is springing up in public libraries across the nation. Very gratifying wow. to know that it's getting in the hands of kids one one way or the other. Wow, I did not know it was in the public libraries. Now, as in the public library, because that isn't something that you own, um, they they will not get the lesson plan with that, but they'll certainly be able to read it. And if they're loving it as much as I suspect they will, they can always buy it. But I think the fact that you offer this to teachers is sensational. I, I just I think that's an incredible, incredible um, offer that you're making. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine the challenges they face, and we, there's, you know we we got to do everything we can to support them. Um, right. Take, uh, yeah. And even though even though you met, mentioned um, that you have PDFs for the third to fifth grade, I think in reality, because that isn't middle age, though that isn't middle grade school. Um, that it might just be yet another way, because you mentioned science and history, for that middle school kid to also, like, oh, I'm going to remember that because I remember that limerick. And I can see where really there's really no age limitation on your book at all. Otherwise, why would they have it in hotels? I mean, I think that it's it's truly designed for everybody. Yes, there are adults that uh, certainly love limericks as well, and I think they'll enjoy that too. Yeah. When you you mentioned a little earlier about your career, um, you know, spanning those four decades, but that you produce musical plays, um, do you miss that creative process of theater and how you were involved with plays? Is that something that you miss as a retired educator? Yeah, I, I do miss that. But um, I'm pretty happy with just uh, working on, on the writing 
and uh, you know my days assisting and in the theater and doing that type of work. So I think those days are over, but I'm really enjoying my retirement and uh, all of the uh, all of the aspects of uh, of writing the book, also promoting the book as well. Oh, in the, in the, uh, one other thing about the uh, the the, art, the kids that love to draw. Also in the lesson plans, there are a number of frames that mirror Steve Feldman's uh, frames for the, the book. So uh, when teachers have children write their own limericks, each of the frames are there so that they can uh, duplicate that and illustrate their, uh, it illustrates their five panels of their own limericks, write in their own limericks, and uh, enjoy taking, taking the opportunity to do their own illustrations. So. Oh, All that's uh, part of the lessons itself. So if you like uh, the layout of Limerick Comics, don't let Steve Feldman have all the fun. You can you can do your thing as well. That's, 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 that's really cool. And, you know, I was reading a little bit about your background because you, you, you've done a lot of things that you have not mentioned. Um, you coached uh, after-school athletics. You've uh, worked in a counseling center. And... I'm really interesting about interested about this. You worked as a competency trainer for the court system. Was that all yes. while you were teaching? What What was that all about? Yeah, yeah. I I, I taught 41 years uh, full time teaching as a full time teacher, and then I, I worked uh, 20 20 of those years. I worked part time. I, I worked at the uh, uh, providing rendering uh, counseling services to children, adolescents, and their parents for. I think around 17 years, and then about three years, I got the opportunity to uh, work as a competency trainer, where I would uh, I would go in, and there would be uh, kids who um, might have uh, uh, intellectual handicaps who were accused of felonies and were unable to aid in the defense of their own of their own cases. They were unable to work with their attorneys to aid in their own defense, and they were deemed uh, by the courts as, as incompetent. And it was my job to go in and work with them and help them to gain an understanding of, of the court system, so that they could they were equipped to work effectively with their attorney and uh, get a fair trial. That's so interesting. I've never heard. So these are juveniles. Did you say? Yes. Yes, they were so, juveniles. Okay. Serious charges. And so did when you worked with these juveniles, were they were they incarcerated at this time or uh, um many of them were in um uh facilities uh, where they uh lived at the school. Or they were yeah, like in juvenile hall, what we would have called juvenile hall back in those days. Yeah, yes, some were. Uh, some some lived uh, at home as well. Mhm. Wow, oh, that's 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 really something. So they had some learning disabilities, and you were able to work with them. Did the parent get involved in that process with you? Uh, to to a limited degree, yes. But basically, the, the children had had to. You know, the kids had to learn a number of these these concepts and ideas, and uh, once they were retested and brought to competence, then they could go and uh, and go back to court and. Uh, Interesting. Wow, you're you're a giver. 
You know, I, and my brother is a retired teacher. My sister-in-law is a retired teacher. And, you know, that's a profession that is, I mean, it's vital. It's 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 yeah, vital it to anyone. It really is. It, it really is. And my philosophy was to go in there every day and I told the kids I was going to have fun one way or the other, so I hope you will too. Uh, humor is a important component in what I did. You know, we you mentioned that we, you know we did the uh, musicals, we did the children's monologues, the parent, the uh, the, uh, the poems, the limericks, and uh, there was a time where I co-wrote and produced and directed a uh, a performance version of the old television game show to tell the truth. Oh. And we had a we had our celebrity panel. I think we had uh, Zena the Warrior Princess, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and this was in the early 90s. And they sat on the panel and uh, they had to determine which of the three statues of liberty were telling the truth. Who was the real <laughs> statue of liberty? It was, oh, it, was, uh, it mirrored the original television show And uh, kids had a great time We loved it And you know uh, for many years In the era of the old chalkboards Which you never see Now we use smart boards mm-hmm. But I'd be writing on the smart board And uh, you know It was no different on the smart board As it was the chalkboard When you had your back turned to the class And you heard noise You could tell what was going on back there There Forcing around or some some hijinks going on, yes, giggling. Of course. Uh, mm-hmm. I always would say, you know, I have eyes in the back of my head. I can see everything's <laughs> going on back there. You hear they yeah. giggle, and then I would I take off my glasses. I said, I see what's going on back there, and I put my glasses on the back of my head and said, Remember, I got eyes <laughs> in the back of my head. <laughs> oh man. You know, I can. When you just said a moment ago that your philosophy is, I'm going to have fun every day. When you can go to school with that attitude, it's contagious, and uh, and I can see where, you know, it it sort of filters through everything about you. So it, of course, I'm curious to know. Um, you've written one book. Um, you and Steve sound like you've got quite the partnership. So um, is there a, another stash of limericks you've got out there that you might want to stick into a sequel? Yeah, I've got a few here that didn't make the cut. And uh-huh. who, who knows, maybe uh, they'll be released at some time. I'm pretty sure that you know they're just uh, goofy and silly. They don't. There's not a lot of educational value in those, but uh, they are fun and comical so who knows right you you know you you use some examples of science i I know i maybe you're not prepared to just tell me this really quickly but what what about history what what where in history did you bring the limerick forward where somebody could remember like i'm still remembering what you said earlier what what would be a history lesson that you would have shared yeah um i was i was fascinated i came across the link boys of london uh, long ago, little uh, street urchins that would carry torches around this, the city of London back before there was public lighting. And, uh, you know, walking around the streets of London was pretty dangerous at one point in time. And so um, the Link Boys of London is a fascinating story along with the uh, lamplighters of London. So I've got a page about that. 
Another one that's uh, history-related that I really love is the story about the Pony Express. Mm. And the Pony Express, uh, you know, is a good opportunity to teach kids that there was a time when we did not have instantaneous communication. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, it took a, a matter of weeks to get a, a letter across right. from uh, St. Joseph, Missouri, to the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, station to station, it was like a relay race of horses, and it's just a fascinating story. And then one other one that I might mention, too, is that after James Cameron's uh, film in the early 90s, The Titanic, mm-hmm. uh, week after week, kids would go to the library and just, you know, wear out the books that you had about the Titanic. They'd be checking those out left and right. But I have a page about the Titanic, and... Um, one thing that many people may not know, and I detail this in the sixth panel of my page on the Titanic, was that there was an American author, Morgan Robertson, who published a novel called The Wreck of the Titan. And um, if you think the ship's name Titan is an eerie coincidence, you'd be really astounded to learn that there are an unending number of uh, similarities that were found in the novel and the actual sinking of the Titanic, which happened around 14 years later. Hmm. So it was really astounding that he wrote this novel. Both uh, British-owned ships were considered unsinkable. They had exactly 19 watertight compartments. Um, They carried less than the necessary number of lifeboats. They were ocean liners made of steel, struck an iceberg on the starboard side, in the North Atlantic Ocean, near the stroke of midnight, on an evening in April, approximately 400 miles south of New Zealand. The similarities are mind-blowing. Hmm. Interesting. Well, so so you do have that variety of of science and and history. In your next book, do you think you might want to bring in a a whole different topic other than than science and history? I don't actually, know what that mathematics or actually in my, in my next book I'm really I'm I'm uh, researching something that's going to be entirely different. I'm real interested in bringing forth the topic of historical fiction. I've got my okay. eye on uh, doing something like that. Hmm. That's 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 really neat. Do you spend even now on your downtime? Do you spend time writing weekly? Well, actually, I had I had been writing for uh, uh, a couple of years, pretty much straight. But since the the release of this book, the the promotional aspects and the time devoted to that has been a, a great distraction. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping to uh, become a little more disciplined and get back to the writing part and and not not devote so much time to. Uh, promotional endeavors. Sure. Well, that that makes sense. And I, you know, because one is a little bit more creative and one is more business focused. And, you know, I I can see where if, if since you're an author, you, you know, you would like to get back to that. But it's all about balance, isn't it, Robert? Now more than any other time I can ever remember, 
um, balancing is is so important because you do have grown sons and you do have a wife and you do got that you do got I didn't say that and you do have you know your your dog oh goodness it's live radio what can I tell you and I can see where you know balance is important I know it's important to me too to not just only do this that i for me you you might get out and give your take your dog for a walk i get out and i tell people i take my camera for a walk and i i you know you need to be able to be creative you can't stay in that creative pool without some some other areas to allow that creation to come in and i think we all we all need that whether you're in my line of work or your line of work we all we all need it and um, I just, I, I want people, I will make certain that we let people know about the different ways that they can, you know, learn more about you. Uh, I think that the generosity of what you're offering, particularly to teachers, but not just teachers, because right now, frankly, grandparents are filling the, the depending upon the lifestyle, and obviously you're not running back and forth to grandma's house, but maybe you live with grandma or grandpa and and how ideal would it be to to share your book with with your with your children so um i just want to thank you so much for sharing your time with me today and taking a step away from promotion and advertising and all of those things that you do to make this known and spend this this generous hour with me today i'm certainly grateful for it well i'm so honored and happy to be with you and I just want to say, too, uh, as, as we uh, part, that uh, I wanted to let your listeners know that uh, check out stevefeldman.com. You can see a variety of Stephen, uh, Steve's works there. And uh, you can see by looking at Limerick Comics that, uh, you know, every panel is so thoughtful. And sometimes he um, brings a scene uh, across the different uh, panels. He blends panels together. And uh, it's quite uh, evocative. And so Terrific. He, uh, works, he works with acrylics, watercolors, and, and uh, digitally. Uh, and his work is just uh, marvelous, stevefeldman.com. And one of the reasons why Book Life gave all A's to the production values of Limerick Comics, I attribute that to Steve Feldman. Well, I'm going to do this because I know this, that – Everybody doesn't spell words the same way, names the same way. And so I'm going to spell Steve's last name of Feldman so that you understand. I believe it is F-E-L-D-M-A, like Apple N, right, Feldman? That is correct. Right, so we don't want people looking up uh, Feldman and putting an E in between that M and that N. It's Feldman with an A. And there might be somebody that's listening right now to this show with us, Robert, that's thinking, dang, I've got this book that's been just festering in my mind. I've had a lot of children's authors over the last couple of months. And maybe you all get to know one another. And I, I just think that now has been a boon for people that that are writing books for children and and but you're the first book that has had this emphasis of limericks and i i i once again i just i want to thank you i'm glad you mentioned steve's name and just continued success and you know we're we're to the end of 2020 without a vision that we could have ever expected but maybe perhaps in the middle to end of next year you'll be saying hey marcia 
my next book has come out. I'd love to rejoin you again and talk about it. And I would have my hand up in the air and say, right on. You come back with me anytime. You are always welcomed to, to join me on my on my podcast. So thank you once again, Robert, for well, being so generous well, with your time. Well, thank you for the kind offer, uh, Marcia. It's been a great pleasure. Great. Okay, everybody. I just want to say one last thing as I end this show. For those of you that are celebrating Christmas this week, a very Merry Christmas to you. Be safe. Be healthy. Do the things that you can do, and let's all be together with our families next year in a way that we're accustomed to celebrating. Until next time, bye for now.